good? Man, good stuff. That's a great word by my wife. Amen. In God we trust, not in the dollar bill. In God we trust. Man, that's good. Um, I was thinking a couple of things during worship today. Wasn't worship good? was awesome today thank you all today it was it was great worship um i was thinking during one of the songs i I was writing in my notes um some of the words because this month our theme is wealth and wellness at gates of the city that's our theme for the month um on sundays we're talking about wealth or things that are are focused around um, around wealth, and on Wednesday nights we're teaching on on wellness and health and healing, and what that looks like, and what it looks like from the perspective of God's word. And um, you know, I was thinking as we were singing one of the songs, um, there were several things in the song. There's there's only one hope. There's only one love, one real sacrifice, one price that was paid. There's only one God. And no one compares to Him. Nobody does. There was one life, the life of Jesus Christ, that destroyed death. It annihilated death. One, one God. Um, this first and one only one principle that is all through the word as we started talking about that last Sunday is something that we have to understand from our heart, not just from our head. Um, You know, I've, I've thought many times about this world of church life. We show up here on Sunday mornings, um, we have a service that starts at 10.30 and usually around 12 o'clock we're out of here. And um, we've done this for 29 years here at Gates of the City. We were a couple of different names other than Gates of the City, but we've been here for 29 years. Why do we keep doing the same thing? Well, one of the reasons that we do it is because people need to have a perspective that's different than what the world thinks. And you need that perspective every week. What would you be doing if you weren't here right now? What would you be doing week after week, month after month, year after year, if you'd been coming to Gates for, for, a, for a long period of time? If you hadn't come to gates of the city, what would you be doing for that hour and a half on a Sunday morning? Think about that for a minute. If I wasn't here, I'd probably be over at either Scott Shriner or River Hills Country Club playing golf. And there's nothing wrong with playing golf. And, and on a beautiful day like today, Man, being outside playing golf, 10.30 in the morning, wow. I mean, that sounds really good. But how many people know that the trees and the, and the deer and the squirrels and the water out there, I'm just talking about at the golf course, that none of that can build your spirit? And how many know that if you were out there at the golf course, there's a lot of unrenewed people out there that could really get under your skin, and by the time you're through playing 18 holes of golf, it takes about four hours, you could leave there mad and upset and frustrated and wanting to run into somebody and pulling out of the parking lot, somebody do something ugly to you, and you have nothing that's been invested in you during the week to help you to overcome situations like that. Because see, if you don't go play golf 
at 10.30 on Sunday morning and you go at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, same potential's there. But when you've got an investment on the inside of you to build you and to, to get you to know who you are in God and wh- how God created you to be, then you can go anywhere and make a difference. That's why we do this. Last couple of days, I was in a couple of situations where for the good part of, of Friday and Saturday, I was around ungodly, unrenewed people for a good part of both of those days. Because a couple of situations I was dealing with, and, and uh, so I was around a lot of unrenewed people for two days. And um, those people need my presence. If you're in situations like that, people need your presence, but if you have no investment, you have nothing to give them. No deposit, there's no return. That's why we do this. And, and, and what we talk about is what that song talked about, that there's one hope. There's not a dozen hope. There's, there's not a dozen different hopes for the world. There's one hope. Now listen to me. Everybody says, that hope is Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the hope of the world, the hope for all of humanity, is Jesus in you. Because see, Jesus has already done everything He's going to do. But now, that revelation of Jesus has to get inside of me. That's the hope of the world. In the last two days, I was around upwards of maybe that I was in close proximity with maybe a dozen different unsaved, ungodly people. I mean, and some of them, I don't know, maybe they're saved or whatever, but it was an environment that, you know, is not the best environment, but I was there on purpose. And my presence there created a hope in people because of the fact that I was there a good portion of both of the days I had the opportunity to create conversations and you you know people will let you know where they're at most people will within about 15 minutes you can find out where people are at and what do they usually talk about how great life is how bad everything is man They need me. What if I'd never spent any time in church? What if I'd stayed in church for a couple of years and then realized, you know what? I deserve to enjoy my Sundays and, or whatever day you meet, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever day it is. It doesn't have to be on necessarily on Sunday, but that's when we meet. And on Wednesday nights, that's when we meet, you know, and that's, that's about two and a half hours, three hours, depending on what part you play here and, and how much time you spend. But what, what, what if a couple of years in, I got tired of it and said, you know, I, I deserve to be on the golf course whenever I want to, because I played golf all my life. So I deserve to be there, bless God. I want to be there. I want to, I want to do those kind of things. Well, I chose not to do that, even though there were, there's been a, there's been a number of Sundays through the years. <laughs> I would have rather been playing golf than coming and preaching. Oh, pastor, you felt that way? Dang right. Dang right. But I wouldn't trade this for anything. Because when you can go around people that don't know God, and that one hope can create hope in them, and that one love can create this thing, they don't even know why they like you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you may not even be the same color skin that they are or nationality or whatever, but, but they're drawn to you because you have hope. And that's what you get from church. That's what church life is about. That's what we're about. Other people may be about something else, but we're about that very thing right there and nothing else. That's why you come week after week. That's why you invest. That's why you become a part. But, but here's the thing. I've become convinced of this, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this from my heart. 
If you don't want to be committed to the things of God, if you don't want to, God doesn't want you to. So, so commitment isn't this thing that we're preaching from the pulpit to try to get you under condemnation because you haven't done enough or you haven't given enough or you haven't this or that or whatever enough. No. No. And if we've ever done that from this pulpit, I repent now. Because that's not what it's about. It's about you having convictions in your heart that you do what you do because it's in your heart. Because when you do it from your heart, it produces. That's all we want. I'm going to say it to you again. Anything that other people put demands on you, if you don't want to do it, God doesn't want you to do it. God wants you to want to. God wants you to want to. Do what he wants you to do. And when you get that in your heart, it's all over but the receiving. When we get those things in our heart, it's all over. Commitment is something that is developed in the heart. When you develop a life of faith and trust in God, as my wife was talking about, regarding the, God, the dollar. In God we trust. There's only one God. There's only one hope. There's only one love. God so loved that he gave the best of heaven that you and I would be liberated and free. And that liberty and freedom that we have, that we've been given, we have access to that if we want it. Only if we want it. But God doesn't want you to get it if you don't want it. He just wants you to want to. That's why you need church life. That's why you need to hear the word preached because the word will teach you and challenge you that there are some things in your life that you may not want today and you have a desire for, but you have to develop that desire. And you have the rest of your life to develop. You don't have to do it in two weeks. You have the rest of your life to develop these things. But God just wants us on the path and the journey where we're developing his life in us so we can make decisions and choices that will affect our destiny and we don't live this life and go to the grave not fulfilling what he put us here to fulfill. That's why you come to church. That's why you come to church. Because without the information, you can't make changes in your thinking. That's why you come to church. Anyway, that was free. so our series this month is wealth and wellness our provision for the house offering is at the end of this month and through the month of may if you know give you the opportunity to so but it has to be something again that you want to do how many like the concrete and and the smoothness of pulling from the street to the how many like that howard do you like that (laughs) Howard Wilson Jr. and his father their crew did that and did a fantastic job of that give give them a huge hand not through with it totally yet they've got to have uh, the chip and seals widening our entrance exit you know and that'll be accomplished here over next short period of time but but what a start amen what a a great thing and and, uh, just as my wife said things are becoming more beautiful around here, amen, and getting better and better all the time, and that, but, and and we're really glad that they were able to start when they did, because you're able to see just what you're having an opportunity to give towards and give into, if that's what you want to, and 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 so what I'm sharing with you today is information for you to make decisions, not information to pressure you in an offering, and there's a difference. And in the church, we've got to have the opportunity to share with people where people don't feel threatened like you're after something. And if you don't give something, that you're not going to be treated the same in the church. Um, The person that found this piece of property right here, for me, for my wife and I, for us, this church body, we were looking for a small piece of property that we could 
move out of where we were at on Water Street and, and, and build a building and have a parking lot. And, and this person that was used to previous be in our church um, found this piece of property for us. And over a long period of time and, you know, feasibility studies and everything, God supernaturally got this piece of property for us. It's 122 acres. And we bought this piece of property. In four years, we paid it off. And the house, the building that's down as you, as you pass, as you drive in, that building was here also. And we got a God deal on this place. Um, but as we were negotiating with her and in conversation with her, um, she said, you know, I really hated that I left your church the way I did. And she said, I want to repent to you. And if I wasn't in a church now where I was really satisfied, I, I would probably come back to your church. That's what she said. This is years ago. And I said, well, what are you repenting for? I thought you, you, I thought you just felt like God wanted you to leave. And she said, well, I lied to you. And I said, okay. I'm thinking, where is this going? And uh, she said, um, she said, I came to see you one day to meet with, have an appointment with you. And the person that was, that I was talking to on the phone said that you'll have to wait a minute. And, uh, she came back all in the conversation and she said, she told me that, well, um, you're, you, you don't give enough or you're not a tither here. So pastor won't meet with you. And I said, they said, What? And she said, yeah, and I got offended. And I said, I don't blame you. said, I would be too. said, that is the farthest thing from the truth ever. And the person that was taking that phone call at the time we were talking didn't, wasn't even in the church. And, and that person gave us a lot of trouble and that person died an untimely death and I'm not saying just because she told that lady that but but when you do things that want to stir up issues and problems see that that affected that lady in a huge way and actually she should have been in our church and those lies like that are what keep people out of church because they think that what preachers want is your money that's it that when a, when somebody sees an, when a preacher sees somebody new come into the church, uh, they see them as dollar signs. That's right. But I understand that, and I have to say I've never met anybody like that. I've never met a pastor like that. I've got a lot of pastor friends, and I've never met one like that. But I'm sure there are people like that. And I'm just going to keep talking for a minute. I know I'm kind of meddling, but. Um. So <clears throat> I was at a, I was at the hospital one day with a, somebody that used to be in our church and that person's father was pa- passing away and, and his father went to another church and um, they attended, he attended another church and uh, this just came to me, so I have to tell you that because I said I haven't met a pastor like that, and I'm sorry I have. But so we we were we were at the hospital. I was there with the guy that was in our church, and we were sitting there. And and a, as we were in the room, his father passed away, and his father's pastor was there also. And I was just, I was there kind of in support of the guy that was in our church, but I knew his father and. I was there supporting his mom and just praying with him, praying with the family. And uh, the man had passed for about 10 minutes. It had been about 10 minutes, and we were sitting, and I actually, I don't know why, but the mother, you know, kind of, she hugged me and just kind of laid her head on my shoulder like that. And, and the other guy is standing there. So, so nobody knows who this is. I would never point anything out and say this about another person. 
But her head was on my shoulder, and this pastor was standing right here. And he asked the lady, will that affect your tithe in the church? And that lady's head was on my shoulder, and my arm was like this. And I could feel my hand want to grab that guy's neck. You know, I had, to, I had to speak to my hand and command it to come down. <clears throat> I mean, this man's passed 10 minutes earlier, and this guy is asking some asinine question like that. So I know there are people out there like that because I've witnessed one. But I'm telling you today that the church is about one hope, one love about one God and that hope of the world is Christ Jesus being real in you. And one thing and the reason that we're, we have this theme because we do our provision for the house thing every year and we do it on purpose and we do it with vision but it's just, you know, on a specific Sunday of the year. But we have a, this theme this month of being well and being wealthy. And the reason for this is because you have to see yourself the way God sees you. Because if you were raised in your life where you barely had enough, you know, a lot of times when you're growing up, you don't realize you don't have enough till you find out you see other people and the way they live and you realize, wow, we didn't have enough. But depending on how you were raised, if you were raised, you know, never really being able to have stuff, never being able to buy nice things or buy new clothes or those kind of things, you can live your life being a Christian thinking that God doesn't want you at a higher level in your life. The issue is that that's not the goal, to live a higher level, to have nicer clothes, drive a nicer car, live in a better house. That's not the goal. The goal is knowing Him, and when you know Him, then you find out that He says things like 3 John verse 2. You can stick that on the screen if you want. 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I desire, or I pray, this translation says, that you prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. That's our foundational scripture for this month. That you prosper and be in health as your thinking changes. You have to see yourself wealthy. You have to see yourself well. And there's lots of information out there on our first Wednesday, this past Wednesday on wellness. We, we, I was just saying, there's, there's 101, actually probably 1,001 different ideas about how to be well out there. And if you don't know that you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that he's made you well, you can try a thousand and one, five thousand and one different ideas that people have about what you eat, how you exercise, doing all these things. That's not the goal. The goal is knowing who you are in him. Then, when you know that you're well in him, then... His wisdom will teach you. You'll glean from other people. You'll get ideas and information from other people. But God will show you what works for you. He's the greatest nutritionist that the world has ever known. He knows it all about your body chemistry because he made you. That's where we have to be connected. And he knows what causes you to operate and tick. I I, I believe that I'm sitting and looking at people today... That everyone likes nice things. Do you like nice things? Okay. I've been in situations where I didn't have enough money for the next meal. I've been in situations, I've lived in situations like that. God saw me through that. But today I have enough money for the next meal. And having enough is better than not enough. That's, where do we get that plan? That's from God. That's from God. And so, understanding the importance of 
putting God first in everything that you do is important. But what's more important is that you want to put God first in everything that you do. See, we, we, we have to come to the place where our want to is real on the inside of us. I want to put God first in everything that I do. Not something that I have to do. I, I want to honor God in the tithe, in the first fruit of all of my income. I want to honor God, but I want to want to do it. I don't want to do it because I have to do it. Because having to do it doesn't produce the results. The wanting to is what produces. And from this pastor's perspective, from today on, it's been this way for a while, that everything that you hear me teach... Everything that we talk about is to develop the want to in you, not for the focus to be on what you have to do. That we develop the want to. And so when you read passages of Scripture like what we're going to read right here in Matthew chapter 6, I want you to think about the want to in some of the things that we point out in this passage. The want to. Matthew chapter 6. Excuse me. Actually, let's back up to verse 22. I'm just going to read for a minute. The lamp of the body is the eye, and if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And what they're talking about here, if you look at it in the literal, is your your conscience. If therefore the light that is in you is darkened, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, for no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one, despise the other. You can't serve God. You can't put God first and the material world first. It's one or the other. So it's actually the spirit or the flesh. And the Bible's real clear that the two are in opposition against each other. The spirit and the flesh, they work. I mean, they don't even like each other. Hmm? And I promise you, the flesh gets mad at spiritual things. Hell, God won't let me do this, or I can't do that because of this, or whatever. The fle- that, that's the flesh speaking. It, it gets mad at spiritual things when the Spirit of God has a better idea how to accomplish something. It gets mad. But what, ha- what has to ha- happen is you have to want to want a life where you're serving and putting God first and letting everything else fall into place. That's where, as my wife was talking earlier, about the trust in God and the rest. That's where the rest is factored in, where we begin to rest in the things of God. I didn't say sit around and do nothing. Resting in God is being confident that God has the ideas and He has the revelation for you to be able to accomplish what He put you here for. And we have to rest in that and be confident in it. And it's not easy. Because in the natural, it's easier to just go fix something the way we think it should be fixed. Verse 23. Or verse, uh, where was I? Oh, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat you're going to drink, where you're going to live, about your body, what you'll put on, about clothing, what am I going to do about this, I don't look as good as someone else, is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds of the air. And I'll tell you, if you, if you don't spend any time watching the birds and how they're not stressed, yeah, maybe hummingbirds are. 
<clears throat> when they're fighting with the other guys around the little hummingbird feeder that you have hanging out there, man, they're fighting and go after it, right? So maybe they're stressed a little bit, but, but I'm just, I'm teasing. But, but the birds are not stressed about where their food is coming from. Huh? You don't see a bird fall out of a nest and walking on one leg and kind of hobbling around because he hadn't eaten in three months. You don't see a little bird like that. God takes care of the birds. He said, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature, can add anything to his life by worrying. You see, you know, we, we could camp out on that. I'm going to another place, but we could camp out on that all day long because we've all been taught to worry. And if you don't worry and you're not fretful about things, then you're not being responsible for things. And I say today that that's an absolute lie. That's why you need to be here to hear what I'm saying so you can counteract that and say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose today to take steps. They may be little baby steps, but I'm going to choose not to worry about this thing. I'm, not, I'm choosing not to worry about the outcome. I'm trusting God, and he said, if I trust him, he'll take care of the outcome. He said, but yeah, Pastor, but how can you promise that about every situation that you face? How can you promise the outcome? Because he said. See, that's why you have to, the only way you can really believe that and want to understand that is by taking what you hear preached, going to the Word yourself, meditating on it, and seeing how His promises are that way. His promises are yes and amen, but they're yes and amen to the person that is purposing to put Him first in every situation. You can't put God second and put everything else first and expect to get the results that you're looking for from God. And that's why a lot of people blame God for why things don't happen in their life. It's not God. We've got to get things lined up in our life. You see, and that's not as difficult as it appears to be. It's just taking something that you hear and doing it. See, if you get, an, if you get a, a letter from the IRS and they say they're going to seize your accounts in 30 days, if you don't pay the, the $32.43, I mean, you could just have this attitude and, you know, spew all over yourself and curse the government and send ugly letters and Hire a lawyer that's going to cost you, you know, $10,000 for a $32 deal because it's about the principle of the thing. Or you could go just pay the 32 bucks, and they won't do anything. If you take something like that serious, you'll pay the $32 and, and the results will be there. If you take things like what he just said right here... <clears throat> Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry? The next verse, verse 28 says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, what, what glory did Solomon operate in? The glory of money. There's never been anybody, Bill Gates couldn't touch the wealth of Solomon. Never been anybody in the history of the world as wealthy, not before or after, as wealthy as Solomon. And the Bible says, so the Bible's saying, wealth won't produce beauty and glory that you're looking for. Wealth won't. See, wealth can't be what I'm after. See, I can't serve and put first mammon and all the possessions of the world. I got to put God first, and when I put God first, then he tells us right here how all that stuff just falls into place. If I put God first. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither do they toil or spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more? Say that. Say it again. Say it a little louder. Come on, about three more times. Much more, much more, much more. 
Will he not much more clothe you, take care of you, make sure that everything is right for you, O ye of what faith? Little faith. So if you're a warrior, then you're a little faith person. I didn't say that. If you're a warrior, then you operate in little faith. Because God doesn't share his faith with fear. Because worry, the root of worry is fear. Okay? Now, has everybody in here feared? Yes. Is everybody in here battling some type of fear somewhere in some situation? Yes. Will you battle fear again? Yes. Okay, so we're all in the same boat. Phew. Okay, so I just don't want to be a little faith guy. Hmm? I'm a big guy anyway, so I don't like to be a little guy in anything. Anyway, just a joke. <clears throat> but I don't want to be a little faith guy. I want to be a big faith guy. I want to be a developed faith guy. Everybody's been dealt the same measure of faith, Right? Everybody has. It's what you do with the faith that determines whether it's little or it's growing and increasing and becoming what God wants it to be in your life. But it'll always become more. You'll never top out. It'll always be more. And that's where God wants us to live on a, in a, on a regular basis. He wants us to live in that place of more. Therefore, Verse 31, do not worry, what's the next word? Do not worry saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? How am I going to pay this bill? Oh my gosh, this thing happened again. There is your first place of practice. You get a report, something, you get, you get some report from somebody that says a specific thing about something in your life, you, you, you get these thoughts that come to your head, there is the place to practice. Instead of saying, how am I going to do this, how am I going to do that, you begin to change what you say by saying to God, if you don't know what the answers are, Lord, there's a situation here. I don't know how to handle it, but I thank you for your wisdom. I heard Pastor Bert say this, and, and I'm going in the Word, and I just read this verse of Scripture that said that I'm not to worry by saying things. So I'm, I'm choosing today not to worry, even though my head feels like it, even though I feel like fear is gripping my heart, all these kind of things. I'm just saying to you today, I choose not to allow my mouth to say, I'm in fear of this. I'm saying today, Lord, I, I mean, I don't know how to trust you. I don't know what it looks like. I, I, I've, I've struggled in this area most of my life, but I'm just saying today, according to your word, that I trust you. Instead of me saying, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm saying today, I trust you. That's where you start in every situation that you face. That's where you start. And the reason you need to keep coming back to church, this isn't like, you know, this isn't some promotion thing for you to come to church. This is, this is why church is so vital. Church is about what you hear preached. You need to hear these things today, and they need to become a part of your life, and you need to be able to meditate on this stuff. And as you meditate on this, it begins to make you who you are. See, and, and, and it's who God made you already to be. Most people just don't know who they really are in God. They know who they are based on what other people said. But quit saying the things that you were taught by the people that don't line up with this. Start saying what he says about you. Then not only does it change your life, but now you become the hope of the world. Because you know who you are in him. When I know who I am in Him, then I can go spend two days with a lot of unsaved people and hope can be birthed in their hearts and they don't even know it. I got a, I got a pocket full of business cards from these people. You know, one guy gave me six of them. Because he wanted to make sure I had his card. <laughs> 
because he wanted to make sure he could get a hold of me. And he didn't even know why, because I didn't preach to him. I just loved him, and the hope just came out. But you'll never be that type of a person. You and I will never be that, those kind of people where we're hope to other people when we stay worrying day to day about just the basic things in life. I say no. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. What things? You name it. If it's a thing, the Gentiles seek after it. Money, houses, cars, the unsaved, they live their life, they're, they're doing that. The saved, we're after it also. But he's saying here, the Gentiles seek after all these things. I don't care what it is. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of some things. No, he said all these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Well, dang it, why didn't he give it to me? Why didn't God just just fix every little thing? Because it's not automatic. See, if salvation was automatic, everybody would be saved. You confess with your mouth as a result of what you believe in your heart. Many people have made a confession but they're not born again because they didn't believe it in their heart. I'm just talking Bible. We have to have Bible on it. So things can't be automatic. It can't come automatically because God's no respecter of person, but he's a respecter of developed faith. And when something's not coming to me in my life, that's why I've got to take responsibility to develop a deeper life of, of trust and faith. And where does it start? In what I say. Don't allow worry to set in by saying, how am I going to take care of this? Oh my God. Instead, going to God, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm having difficulties in this area, but I come to you and I thank you. So with my mouth, what I'm declaring is beginning to make changes in my thinking. And he said, his desire above everything else is for you to be wealthy and healthy as your thinking changes. So the automatic and the things begin to happen in our life when our thinking changes. And once your thinking begins to change, you begin to make different decisions that actually affect your destiny so that you, your destiny may appear to be one thing, but you start making quality decisions to put God first, it's going to affect your destiny in a way that now lines up with the way God, what God had planned for you before the foundation of the world. We've talked about that many times around here. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for your life, and he wants you to tap that plan, because in that plan, you will be everything and even more than your natural mind ever even thought of that you could be and that you could have. Because in that plan, you begin to see yourself wealthy and healthy, and you will do whatever it takes to be that kind of person. But it starts with knowing you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and what he accomplished liberated you and set you free, and he made you wealthy. But you have to see yourself that way. And when you do, then verse 33 is set in place. He said the rest of verse 32, all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added too. I like the amplified here. Seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, and in parentheses, notice what it says, his way of doing and being right. His way of doing. So the change for wealth and health is in what I do is his way of doing because his way is right. His way is the only way. His way is right. And when I'm doing it his way, then I get, every, I get the results of everything that he says I get. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all these, everybody say things. All the things 
that the Gentiles seek after, that your heavenly Father knows you have need of, will be added to your life. And today I declare, above everything else, that's God's desire for you. I'm telling you. He wants you that way. And you and I have the ability and the capability of being that and accomplishing that in our life. Can you say amen? Um, so I want you to look at this verse. I got two verses and then we'll end with this. Proverbs chapter 11. <clears throat> Proverbs 11 and verse 24. There is one who scatters and yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more that is right, but it leads to poverty. For the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. There's one who scatters yet increases more. There's one who withholds more that is right, but it leads to poverty. We talked about a verse of Scripture last week, and we will next week a little bit more about out of, out of the book of Haggai that when they were building the temple they were spending time on their own homes but forgetting about the house of God and what God wants and the reason I shared with you out of Matthew 16 uh, out of Matthew 6 and I shared that information is because God wants you to see the importance of your ability to invest into what he's doing in the earth because with that investment, it's, it puts me in this place of prospering. But you have to see yourself that way. And most people don't. Most people's vision of themselves is, is either at a poverty level or at maybe a middle class. But God created us to be wealthy people. But the only way we can do that is that wealth not be the ultimate goal. Because if wealth is the ultimate goal, then it's going to mix and conflict with the nature and the purpose of God. I mean, does it almost sound like it's contradictory? Where where you're saying, God wants you wealthy, but He doesn't want you your, your whole life and, and focus to be on seeking after money and, and those kind of things. You, so, so after the wealth can't be the number one goal, it's God. But what I'm telling you is in reading scriptures like this and ones that we'll look at next week, as we're reading these scriptures, you've got to see yourself the way he sees you. That's the hope of the world. The hope of the world is not you becoming the next billionaire in the United States. That's not the hope of the world. Hope of the world is you know who you are in God and if you become a billionaire, what you can affect on planet earth. I know several people that are multi-multi-millionaires that really don't know what to do with their money and so they do things that seem right to them. You ever, you ever read about, or you'll see something on the news, or you'll, read, you'll, you'll see some documentary about somebody, and you know they had, they had 45 homes around the world. What do you do with 45 homes? Now, maybe if you give 45 homes away, because God led you to, but what are you going to do with, with, with uh, uh, a car for every week of the year? heard of one guy, he's got a different car that he drives every week of the year. Why? Because he can. Is that the will of God with wealth? I say absolutely not. You may give a car away (laughs) every week, but for you to hoard just for yourself, the Bible's real clear, and we'll look at some of those verses of Scripture, because we're talking about 
understanding what it means to be wealthy in our thinking. The only way you can be wealthy and be effective and fulfill the plan of God in the earth is to think his way and to allow it to manifest. Why am I speaking about all that this month? Because God wants you wealthy. God wants all of us here today to be wealthy and healthy people. And the only way for that to happen is for our thinking to change. And I'll I'll just tell you this. When the world teaches you about this, it's not cheap. When the world teaches you how to be wealthy, it is not cheap. You go to a creating wealth seminar that the world is going to teach you about making money, and you know what? All their principles are godly principles, most of them. Some of them, maybe not, but a lot of them are godly principles. But they didn't necessarily get them from God. But what they're teaching is going to cost you for a long period of time. What I'm talking about today is wealth that is free. It's free. The information is free. What you do with it, what you do with it will determine how it will affect your life and how you'll be on the receiving end of the things that God has for you. You know, how, you know, you know what God said? He said, prove me. Do what I'm telling you to do concerning your first fruits and your offerings. Do what I tell you to do and prove me that I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that there's not room enough to receive. But see, that can't be just something you do from your head. It has to be something that you do because you want to, not because someone's coerced you or forced you, but because it's something you want to do. And when we get to that place, watch out. When the church world gets to that place, watch out. I'm saying the church world is stepping into that place even now as we're speaking. Can you say amen? It's a great day to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's a great day. So take the things that I shared today. Meditate on them. Let them be a part of what God wants to speak to you about your position of wealth in the earth. Because God wants you.